I'm kind of getting the hang of this. I am so excited to really kick off this podcast. This podcast is going to feature so many different guests from all walks of life telling their story, letting us know the true meaning of authenticity and what that looks like for them. And before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, refer a friend, and as always, check out the blog at thepersonablelife.com. So our very first guest is Bria, the pint-sized traveler, and she's going to let us know what that journey looked like and how she quit her job and moved across country to travel the world. At just the age of 23, Bria has already traveled to 13 different countries within the past few years. I'm so excited to invite Bria, and without further ado, here she is! Bria, if you can just give me three words to describe yourself. I would have to say fearless, confident, and gentle. And gentle. Good one. So... Personable is all about vulnerability and authenticity. And I think that the rawest form of vulnerability that one can have is sharing their story. So I invited you on the show today because you have such an amazing story to tell in terms of what you're doing now and how you're walking in your purpose through the pint-sized traveler. So if you can just tell me who you really are, and what that journey of self-discovery and authenticity looked like for you in your life. My story starts off pretty simple. I had two very loving parents, father in the military, required us to move around a lot. But despite that, we always remained in church. One thing I would say, too, is that I was very independent as a child. I decided once I was ready to go to college that I would go far away from home. Started college with zero friends. (laughs) And not to mention, you know, college is just a new experience in itself. So I really started to experience being vulnerable in a negative way at this time, open to be influenced, vulnerable. I spent a lot of time alone just because I was very shy. I started to feel a little bit of anxiety at the time. Along with that crept in feelings of inadequacy, feelings of having to change in order to meet people. Also, along with that came doing things that I didn't really want to do, but feel like I had to do to fit in. I wasn't really sticking to what I knew, the foundation that my parents gave me growing up. I decided, you know, I went to church so much when I was younger, like, I'm not going to do that every Sunday and Wednesday. If I want to sleep in, I'm going to sleep in. This is my life now. Not realizing that I was opening myself up for other things to happen. So along the way, somehow I found myself dealing with an eating disorder, which was probably the most challenging thing I've ever dealt with in my life. And it was really scary. It was uh, was something I never thought could happen to someone like me. It lasted for so long and it felt like it just like I looked up one day and All of a sudden, I'm dealing with something much larger than me. How could someone like me deal with something like this? This is not how my life was supposed to go. But here I am starving myself and throwing up my food in order to achieve a level of perfection that I think it takes to fit in. Mainly with with the eating disorder, that gave me a false sense of control because I felt like I didn't have control in any other area of my life. In those areas being like, you know, what people thought of me, how many friends I had, 
what I looked like. This eating disorder gave me control over something, or so I thought, but really it was controlling me and, you know, the thoughts that I had about myself. It was a really, really long battle with that. I thought that if I could control my weight, then that would just fix so many different things in my life. That would open up access to, you know, having friends and being likable and desirable. And it destroyed me. It really tore me down mentally. And the way, the best way that I can describe an eating disorder is, it's like having someone in your mind telling you that you're not good enough in, in order to get closer to your ideal of perfection. You have to like go a whole day without eating or you have to, oh, well, so you ate that piece of cake. Well, now you got to get rid of it because you're ruining any chances of you being likable to those people that you're trying to appeal to. It was torture. It was something that I didn't see myself ever getting out of. I was like, well, now that it's here, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be dealing with this for the rest of my life because I had no way of getting out of it. It was like the only voice that I heard. Any ideas that I had about myself prior to this eating disorder, any confidence that I had was gone. It had totally engulfed me into a world of, of food. It's all I thought about all day. Like I would wake up and the first thing I thought about was I have to eat today or am I going to eat today? That's the only voice that I could ever hear. And that was like the only things that I thought about was food. The eating disorder really just took over any and every thought I had about myself. It was like, it was like self-inflicted bullying almost. It was like I was telling myself, you're not good enough before anyone else could. And it really just took over every part of my being and led me down a road of self-esteem issues and no confidence. Before I could even muster up the confidence to go approach someone to maybe even like spark up a conversation, my mind was already telling me, you're not good enough to be their friend or at that level of perfection yet. So just just stay where you are. So for most of my college career, I went through periods of just feeling down about myself. And when it came time to meet friends and I joined organizations in order to meet friends, I went into the experience pretending and trying to be who I thought they wanted me to be. The eating disorder is really what gave me this attitude about myself that I just wasn't good enough being who I was already. I come home from school one Christmas break and my mom brought something home for me to eat. Of course, like I wanted to eat it, like I love food. So I ate it and then immediately I went upstairs and my mom was still in the kitchen. She heard me. She heard me um she heard me throwing up. So my mom, she heard me and she asked me, she was like, hey, do you want to um, go out Panera Bread? And I ordered a grilled cheese and we all sat down and were eating and I finished my sandwich and I ran to the bathroom again. I didn't know my mom knew. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm being secretive. And then she, she follows me. She calls my name and I'm like, oh, shoot. So I, I get out the bathroom. Mom follows me back to the table and we sit down and they confront me about it. I felt like a sense of relief, but also just a sense of, of shame. Like, how did I, how did I get myself to this point, to the point where my mom is like so worried about me? And it really took me by surprise. But at the same time, I think I knew this day would come. My mom was like, I heard you throwing up. I could just tell um, that she I was hurt that I was doing that to myself and almost surprised, almost like she didn't understand how it could have got to this point or why I felt that way about myself 
it was no feeling of disappointment or like anger or anything like that. It was more like her being heartbroken. I felt like it was a much larger issue than just me and this eating disorder. Like I'm not the only one that's getting hurt by these actions. My mom is upset that I felt more relief than anything because I knew there was only one way it would come to an end. And if that was if someone else knew, oh, and somebody else knows. So now it has to end. Slowly, the physical parts of the eating disorder started to subside. I wasn't starving myself so much, uh, throwing up so much, but the feelings, I think those didn't go away at all, which is the most important part of an eating disorder because that's where it stems from. The feelings of inadequacy and anxiousness and having to change to fit in or just being like not enough were still there, very much still there. The control factor that comes along with the eating disorder still like was alive and well. Like I still had that control, like I need to be accepted. So if I can't control the way I look, if I can't control this, I'm going to control the route in which my life takes. Control is really what it's all about. I decided to plan my life according to what I thought looked best, according to what I thought would be acceptable from my parents, from my peers, and what would make me look like that star, I decided I'm going to move to D.C. and start this great paying job in my field. I'm not going to be a statistic, not going to be one of those people that graduates and can't find a job in my field. That's not me. No way. It all worked out. <laughs> and I made sure of it. Following week after graduation, I, I went to D.C. and I, I started right away. I got into a relationship actually like a month before graduation because along with this eating disorder, I felt very lonely, very anxious, like I couldn't meet people, but I got this relationship and I'm like, oh, perfect. Like I am likable. Let me keep this person around. And this was also like a constant for me in my life. It was a constant, like I knew this person would be there. I get started on this awesome career. I'm liking it at first. And I'm like, this is just what I'm supposed to do. This is life. Like, you know, no one said you have to be happy. You you know, you just got to do what you have to do. But I always had that small feeling of just emptiness in the back of my head, almost like it was just like a hamster wheel of going to work, going home, going to sleep, waking up the next day, going to work. You just have this partner on the side that, you know, maybe one day you'll get married to and then you'll just do the same thing together. You just on this hamster wheel. So about a year and a half into this going to work, being in this relationship and not feeling that happy, the feelings of like unfulfillment just really started to heighten for me. I just didn't have an answer for anything anymore. I'm like, how can someone like me that's so sure of everything, that plans everything so meticulously about my life, not have an answer for anything anymore? Why do I feel so empty? What's left? So I really started to lean on this relationship that was also going down and the relationship just came to an end. For me, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. It was like the only constant I had, but now that this was gone, I was not sure of anything anymore. So I remember just one day waking up for work, I get in the shower and suddenly the thought to just pray comes to me. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know how to pray. Like I haven't prayed in forever. And I give it a go anyway. I say, God, I've, I've, tr- I've tried to do this all on my own. I've, I've tried and I failed miserably. At this point, I just need you to take over and do what you want. And I literally said it like that. I just, like I was talking to my best friend almost because I didn't feel like I knew how to pray. But I was like, I know I need to talk to God because he's the only one that has the answer. So at that point, I prayed. And I think that was the moment that I officially handed over my control. That control factor that I so desperately wanted through the eating disorder and through out college 
I finally gave that control back over because I knew that I didn't know what to do with it. I decided to go to counseling. I went to counseling and she was just helping me talk to my problems. And I was telling her, I am just not happy. I'm losing everything. I planned all of this out strategically and I'm still not happy. Like, I don't know what's next. I wake up just feeling nothing sometimes. There has to be some type of future for me. There has to be something more to this. And she really helped me like talk through my problems. And actually back in August of the same year, 2017, I found a really great flight deal to go to Amsterdam from Washington, D.C. And I saw it and I was like, I'm going to book this right away. You know, my life is in shambles, but I can worry about it later. So I bought the flight and forgot about it. I'm telling her in counseling about this trip that I have coming up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of excited about that. You know, I haven't traveled in quite a while. This will be my first time traveling alone, but I'm excited about the possibilities. I think I might need this to have some type of switch in my routine. So I go to Amsterdam in November. I ended up telling my parents like a day before I left. It was just very spontaneous. First time traveling alone. I have no idea what's going to happen. Once I get to Amsterdam, I just come alive. It's like a whole new Bria. I'm chatty. I'm enthusiastic. I don't even recognize who this person is. And when it comes to an end, I'm just like, I can't believe this is coming to an end. I've never felt this way before. And I haven't felt this way in such a long time. I don't want it to end. I don't want to go back to work. While I'm on this trip, I'm meeting just people from all over the world who are sharing these great resources with me and how they travel the world and they do it on a budget and all these great tips. Um, So I get home and at this point, I'm starting to rekindle my relationship with God because I realized there's no way I can get through this lifetime without him. So in my time with God, I just tell him like how happy I was during that time. And he sent me there to show me all those things and to reveal that there is a future on the other side for me. I decide I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to travel full time. If I can feel God's presence and be the type of person that I wanted to be while traveling, then I need to do it all the time. I tell my parents, um, it looks like I'm leaving D.C. and this is what I'm going to do. I'm traveling. I go to work and I tell my supervisor the same thing officially. And she was very supportive. And it it was an awesome transition. And none of it felt unnatural. It was the next thing to do. No feelings of fear. No feelings of hesitation. Like, maybe this isn't the right thing. I didn't have that feeling at all. For me, that was confirmation that this was God's plan. So in about two months time from November to January, I gathered all my things, sold what I needed to. And following month in February, I was off. I thought I'll just backpack through Europe and we'll see if that's what God says. My relationship with God was stronger than ever been before. And he was literally instructing every step of the way to the point where it just felt so natural and so effortless. And through that experience, I learned a lot about myself. I took a lot of time to talk to God and work through a lot of the problems and the feelings that I was experiencing in my life. Not only did I get to see so many different parts of the world and meet so many different new people, I saw new parts of myself and met new parts of who I am. It was a phenomenal trip. It lasted about four months. And I just realized at the end of it, there's nothing I can't do. If I try to do it in my own strength, maybe it's not possible, but if I do it with God, then nothing's impossible. In creating the Pint Size Traveler, which is this 
blog to document your journey and share of your traveling experiences, but also talk about how you view God and how you see God in the world through others and through other cultures. So moving forward, what is your hope and vision for your blog in the next few years? I never really thought that I could experience God through traveling. And I think many times when people experience pain or like lows in their life, they don't think that traveling can be an option of how they can experience God or experience healing. So I wanted to document my journey so that people can see like going to counseling is a great option, but maybe on top of counseling, you want to take a solo trip and really take the time to unpack all the things that you're feeling. This is what I did to get to this point. Now you take my experience and you apply it to your um, your life. So my vision is that people will see that traveling is much deeper than, you know, going to Mexico and riding ATVs. <laughs> but, you know, you can go to, you can Was travel. there a little shade in that? I mean, oh. I mean, okay, there was, everybody There goes, was some shade. I mean, it's fun to go to Mexico and ride ATVs. No shade. I'm jealous of all the people that do it. I just want people to go to Mexico, ride ATVs, and see a new part of themselves. I don't want them to just stop at that part, you know? So that's what I want the Pint Size Traveler to accomplish. It was still shade, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Traveling opens up this whole new world for you that you never knew existed, but it was always with you the entire time. Exactly. And I think it takes just being in the moment and being present and not constantly behind your phone trying to show everyone else what you see, but allowing yourself to see on the inside. And it sounds weird, but like entering into the stage of reflection and appreciation and like being fully present while you're in a new environment is going to allow you to appreciate the small things and just breathe a little and just take time to just soak it all in. Right, exactly. I just think traveling is such a huge opportunity to go a little deeper and to really take yourself out of that day-to-day and like really see yourself in a new light. And I really think that people should approach it with that mindset and see what they find. Yeah, exactly. So I have a couple fastball questions for you. And when you are answering these questions, don't try and think of anything elaborate. The first thing that comes to mind, um, it could be a word or two, or it could be a sentence, but whatever comes to your mind first, we want to hear it. So how do you see God? Love. Favorite part about flying? Sleeping. Ideal destination? India. What is one language that you want to pick up? Spanish. If you could spend a week in one culture, what culture would that be? Indonesian. Hmm. And how have you experienced God through others while traveling? Um, small opportunities and just good deeds. What does peace look like? Happiness. Aisle or window seat? Window. Strangest food you've eaten? Um, octopus. <laughs> Difference between joy and happiness? Joy is God-given. Happiness is man-created. I totally agree. And who is God to you? God is um, my father. There we go. So, Bria, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being vulnerable with us. And thank you for allowing yourself to be used by God and allowing yourself to 
speak your truth and share that with others. It's not hot. It's not easy. Um, and it's not something that a lot of people do. So it takes an act of bravery and courage to get to this point and sharing. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to see what comes out of the pint slice traveler because I know that great things are going to happen. Thank you so much for just having me here on your podcast. I'm excited. Um, I did not expect to get this vulnerable today or this open because I think I just reached a new level um, through this podcast. Um, I've never talked about uh, some of these subjects with anyone besides my counselor. So I think this has done a good work for me too. Yay. I'm happy to be the one person along with yeah. the other multiple listeners to yeah. <laughs> to hear yeah. this story. And I'm excited to, I'm just going to end it. <laughs> I'm just going to end it. Yeah. I was like, I don't know where I'm going with this. So I'm just going to cut that out. <laughs>